Television of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Welcome to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. Today on Viewpoint, we have a very special guest who is joining us. And the reason she's joining us because, well, she has passion. She has a great deal of passion. And it's a passion for prayer. A passion for prayer for our country, which she really is, uh, realizes and which we all realize is in deep, deep trouble. And so here on Viewpoint today, we're going to be talking about that because she says if we have any hope for the resurrection of this country and the restoration of the foundations, we're going to have to be heaven's prayer force to accomplish it. And so again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms Today being no exception, our viewpoint concerning prayer does determine destiny, has been determining destiny. And what's fascinating is that we have been involved in many, many, many prayer movements over the past 50 to 60 years. Number one on the list is probably the National Day of Prayer. Out of the National Day of Prayer emerged the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast Movement all across the country. I was involved in that in Southern California, and uh, what we began to see is that each one of these prayer breakfasts, whether it was the National Prayer Breakfast, whether it was the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast in the various cities of America, they all took on the same drift, and that is basically to recognize any God, whatever it is that you want to recognize. In other words, it became very eclectic, very multiculturalistic, religious pluralistic, and in effect, undermined the very purpose for which the prayer group had been established. That has been the pattern over these many years. Then we have the National Day of Prayer itself. The National Day of Prayer, uh, you know, Congress itself has uh, ordained that we have this National Day of Prayer. Abraham Lincoln called for a National Day of Prayer. There have been many of our presidents that have called for National Days of Prayer. But perhaps Abraham Lincoln's was more particular than many others because he he actually said, you know, we have seriously, I'm putting it in my own words, we have seriously offended the God who made and preserved us a nation. And we need to come before him in humility and confess our sin. Pretty amazing, amazing words coming from Abraham Lincoln that many believe was not even a Christian. But he did call us to humility and to serious prayer because our nation desperately needed it. So here's my question for you today, friends. Do you think our nation desperately needs prayer today? Do you? The Bible says men ought always to pray and not to faint. But then A.W. Tozer, the famous preacher and writer, said, prayer is no substitute for obedience. So somehow, prayer has to lead us to something. We're going to talk about all that here today with our special guest, Donica Hudson. Uh, she has a wonderful book called Pray America Great. Pray America Great. Uh, one party says she is sounding the alarm for our nation. She's an energetic lady. She uh, just finished orchestrating 
the uh, uh, first landing event in Virginia Beach, uh, taking our minds and our hearts all the way back to 1607. Donica, it's good to have you on the program. So great to be with you today, Chuck. Thank you for having me. Well, you have so much energy, Donica. Uh, it, it's, have you ever been accused of being the Energizer Bunny? <laughs> Maybe in my younger years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, anybody that can put together the event, the Covenant event uh, that you put together in Virginia Beach a couple of weeks ago, to try to bring together those who were serious and sincere across this country to an event to recommit our country and the peoples therein to the God who made and preserved us a nation. Uh, how did that, uh, that concept begin in your mind? Well, first of all, I cannot take the sole credit for this. There was a team of us of six. Mm -hmm. That put this together, and the visionary was Reverend Jack Stagman, who, when the Lord awakened him in the middle of the night, told him to go back to origins. And he didn't know what that meant, as is often the case with the Lord, and he had to search it out. Mm -hmm. And he found that right where he lived, his home state of Virginia, was the 1607 First Landing Landing Covenant made by the colonists to God. And God was telling him to go back to origins and reestablish that covenant. So at that point, a a friend of mine who's been on my ministry board for almost 20 years uh, is from South Africa, Reverend Stagman's from South Africa as well. He called him to share this with him, and he said, you must talk to Donica Hudson. And I have already—I had already—I know it was crazy. So no, wait, 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 wait a minute, Donica, a little humor here. I thought Hudson's went out many years ago. My father owned two of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay, that was before my time, but I, I've seen them in the cartoons, okay? The Hudson Hornet. <laughs> okay. All the moms are laughing with us now because their kids see it in cars. But um, So what happened then was uh, Pastor Andre said, please get in touch with her because I had already written a prayer in my book about the 1607 Land Dedication Covenant, and it mm-hmm. was, a re-covenanting prayer, so I'd done the historical research, and so uh, God took it from there, and I ended up writing the Declaration of Covenant that we used to pray and re-covenant with our original colonist founding words, where they landed there at Virginia Beach. And this is crazy. It's left out of our history books, okay? Most Virginians in ministry even aren't aware of this, Uh, and they live in the home state, let alone all of America. The colonists landed in 1607. They're in Cape Henry, and they planted this huge wooden cross in mm-hmm. the sand. They knelt, they dedicated themselves and the land from shore to shore to God, and they asked that God would raise up godly generations after them and take the kingdom of God to all the earth. And then they, they said, may this covenant of, declar- of dedication remain to all generations as long as this earth remains, and may this land be evangelist to the world. And may all who see the cross that they planted remember what they have done there, and may they come and inhabit America and join us in this covenant. Well, bringing that modern day, Chuck, I think we need to look at how many are crossing into the country now, and we need to make sure that they see the cross, that we point them to the cross as you're doing on this broadcast, and join uh, the original founding colonists in this covenant to uh, share the gospel. Well, it's interesting because one of the reasons why they want immigrants 
uh, illegals to come into the country in a flood is because they don't want them to know about the history of America. They don't want them to know about that which glued us together, that God was at the very foundation. And, uh, you know, as the scripture said, as the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So we're talking about what the righteous can do. One of the things that we can do, one of the main things that we can do is pray. So the interesting thing is that there wasn't just one cross that was planted. We're going to talk about two other crosses that were planted in the course of that 1607 event when we get back. Stay tuned, friends. This is Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Can prayer save America? That's the echoing question here today on Viewpoint. Can prayer save America? During the past uh, 50 years, we have had so much prayer go up. I have been involved in several national solemn assemblies from coast to coast in virtually every major prayer group that occurred in this country. I've been part of it from coast to coast and, yes, even in Virginia. But we haven't seen revival. We haven't seen the kind of revival that we thought should have been coming. One person actually had the gumption to say, there's been so much prayer go up in the last 25 years that God has to hear and do what we ask. Really? God has to hear and do what we ask? Maybe there's some conditions that we're missing. Going back to the cross, there was a cross, yes, indeed. The first cross that was planted there at Cape Henry in Virginia Beast in 1607. But about 10 years, 10 days later, they sailed up the James River, the birth river of America, from which this broadcast airs, by the way, and planted another cross at Jamestown. Then, 10 days later, Captain Christopher Newport sailed up the James River as far as the falls to a place that's now called Richmond, Virginia, from which this broadcast airs, and there they planted another cross. Virginia's Dabney is his, in his history of the city of Richmond, right on page one, records the planting of that cross and a prayer meeting that took place. Three crosses. Three crosses. It seems, Danica, that we have a lot of crosses to bear here in this country. We're at a crossroads, aren't we? We certainly are. We certainly are. In fact, I think that if we don't pray and understand what prayer actually does and uh, claim America back for God by the next election, we may not have a free country. It's that close, isn't it? It is. It is. And much of the body of Christ and those who are asleep, and and not only the body of Christ, uh, Americans in general, 
uh, are not aware of what's really going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And so um, I, I believe that, and I even, in the fourth whereas of this Declaration of Covenant, you know, I believe our greatest threat is not Democrats or Republicans or political parties, but it is truly a battle of good and evil. The Antichrist spirit is really seeking to plunge America into a one-world government. It's no so question about it. I'm yeah. so glad yeah. that you brought that up, yeah. and I didn't have to bring it up. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's what, what all this immigration is about. That's what the flooding for Absolutely. the borders is all about. Absolutely. And that's why it's all the more important that we not only pray, but we live out our Christianity and we offer uh, those who come into this nation the opportunity to receive Christ as risen Lord and Savior so that we can continue to be one nation under God. Otherwise, we're done. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, there's a reason why the Lord spoke to my heart there in Southern California in my law office in 1992, mm-hmm. saying, son, you've been pleading the cause of men long enough. I want you to plead my cause of the land as a voice to the church, declaring vision for the nation in America's greatest crisis hour. Here on the near edge of the second coming, I said, yes, sir. And we formed Save America Ministries in 1993 uh, to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom as of, uh, and, and through this radio program to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. 28 years now, Donica, uh, you've been in the battle for a very, very long time. Uh, there is, the Holy Spirit is linking our spirits together. That's why we're on the air here today, uh, crying right. out to God's people to get it. We just don't get it. Uh, many of our pastors just don't seem to get it. It's business as usual. Just make me feel better in the moment. It's been a slow boil, Chuck. I mean, like the frog in the hot pot. It has (laughs) been slow. We have been slowly boiling. I mean, we we have quietly uh, subscribed to separation of church and state, which is nowhere in the Constitution. And because of that, it's it's reformed our thinking. Which you know, if you if you're looking at the viewpoint of the enemy, Mm -hmm. Satan, what a wonderful brainwashing technique to make Americans believe that, well, we just need to stay in the four walls of the church and not worry about government, and let's separate the two, which is, is, is exactly what has caused us to be impotent and let go of our liberty. Then we had the 1978 Ethics and Government Act come along, and that has basically circumvented the three-branch process and given all authority to three-letter agencies, so we have the, that's how we end up looking at the WHO, the World Health Organization, along with the FBI, the CIA, and all these other three-letter agencies Mm -hmm. who have authority and power that we seemingly cannot touch with our three-branch process. So, and then, of course, prayer being taken out of schools, well, my goodness, tell me, if you're an enemy, why is it so important to take prayer out of school? if it doesn't really do anything. And so, you know, when you ask your questions at the beginning of the broadcast, does prayer really save America? Well, obviously the enemy thinks so. It was important enough to get it out of the schools. And I think, (laughs) you know. Good point. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think I probably, in, in the beginning years of my faith, did not understand, and that's, you know, 40 years ago, uh, I didn't understand the power of prayer. And we have all these 
faith-building seminars, which are great, Mm -hmm. but we never have authority-building seminars. And I think we need to start looking at prayer from the lens of a general who understands authority. And in the Bible, when, you know, the centurion said, I understand authority, I'm a man under authority, speak the word, and my child will be healed. You know, and so I think we need to understand that when we pray according to the word of God, and when we agree with our founding fathers, you know, recovenanting prayer is a form of prayer, agreeing with the covenantal theology in a lot of our found in all of our founding documents. Sure. And when we do that and offer that form of prayer, it literally marshals the forces of heaven. The Lord the Lord explained it to me this way that when we pray, these these are called third heaven prayers, because we know that these civil covenants are stored in heaven where God is just like Israel's are. So when we pray in agreement with that, it marshals the host of heaven, the angels of heaven to come and to carry out this is it mobilizes a force of covenant in history to save America. If 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 we agree with God's viewpoint concerning our problem. And therein yes. lies the problem that we've had for all these years uh, through National Days of Prayer and quoting Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. Well, that's where it starts, stops usually. But then it yep. says, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. The, yep. the address is always to my people. It's not to the pagans because right. they're condemned already. It's right. always, always, always the warnings of Scripture are directed to God's people, the ones who profess his name. So here's yes. what happened. Let's put this in context so that we understand the challenge that we're facing. On the front of my book, Renewing the Soul of America, that came out in 2002, Dr. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, crawled off of his deathbed to write this endorsement. As a country and as individuals, we stand at a crossroads to continue on the path to godlessness or to return to the way of righteousness. It's right on the front cover of the book. As a country and as individuals, we stand at a crossroads to continue on the path to godlessness or to return to the way of righteousness. Well, here in Richmond, Virginia, we had... Uh, pastors gathering for uh, prayer once a month. And as I was crossing the James River to that breakfast a number of years ago, I asked the Lord, why is it that after all this prayer, we have no revival in America or in Virginia? And he answered my question immediately, Donica. He said, my pastors are not preaching righteousness. Wow. So I'm contemplating that in a few seconds, and then he said, and by the way, that's why your nation is in in the deep trouble that it's in. Then, as I'm contemplating that, he said, and that's why my church has no effect to remedy the problem. So, I got to the meeting, and, you know, pastors are having their cups of coffee before the main event, and so... I'm sharing this little tete-a-tete that I just had with the Lord uh, with a, a prominent pastor of an evangelical church that had its roots in the holiness movement. Mm-hmm. And when I said, my pastors are not preaching righteousness, he hung his head and made this statement. 
Chuck, I don't think I even know how to preach righteousness. I want you to let that sink in. Mm. If we don't know how to preach righteousness in our pulpits today, then our prayers accomplish nothing. Because righteousness is the habitation of God's throne. Mm -hmm. This is our problem, isn't it? It it is. It is. And, you know, it starts with the pulpit. You know, you can measure the the temperature of the nation by the pulpit. Well, that's what Charles Finney said. Oh, didn't know that. Okay. Oh, well, we've got to have some education here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the Holy Spirit must have told me the same thing you told him then. <laughs> well, look, there, there are alternatives. All these Charles, you got Charles Charles Darwin, Charles Lyell, they're in the uh, uh, evolution range. Then you got Charles yeah. III in England. And now you got Charles III that you're interviewing right now, interviewing with right now, and Charles Finney. Oh. So can you believe all these Charleses? There's something about Charles, I think. I don't know what it is, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got all flavors there. But Charles Finney Finney said that if there are problems in the government, the pulpit's at stake. If there's sin in the nation, the pulpit's at stake. On and on and on, he said, the pulpit is at stake. Right. So if our prayers are to accomplish anything, it has to begin in God's house, doesn't it? Isn't that where judgment begins, in the house of God? Absolutely. And and also, the church is the only one with the authority through the blood covenant of Jesus Christ to take this nation back. We were founded on that covenantal theology, and that's the only way we'll save this nation. Sister, you you see, this conversation had to take place. It really did. And uh, we're, 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 we're thinking together. The Holy, we've asked the Holy Spirit to hover over this conversation to communicate, to bind our hearts together and to minister to the hearts of uh, we the people across this country and even across the 179 countries where this program actually is listened to, believe it or not. Wow. So uh, I want to make your book available, Pray America Great, because friends, you're going to be so encouraged by this book by Donica Hudson, uh, $18 is going to put it in your hands on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org, pray America great. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. You can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, Donica, you have a website uh, that I think would be very helpful to many as they uh, dig deeper. Yes, I do. It's my name. It's spelled like Monica with a D, D-O-N-I-C-A, Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N, dot com. Now, your Monica, is that the front uh, grill of a Hudson? Well, well, let me tell you about that. I also have an attorney father who is now in heaven. Ah. He was a judge advocate general in the Air Force and went into private practice here in North Carolina. And I am named after him. His name was Don. And so I am Donica instead of Monica. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got to live up to that, sister. Got to live up to I it. I know. Okay. Well, Donald means world ruler, so <laughs> we're all about saving the world here with Jesus. You know, speaking of that, 
uh, years ago, uh, I was at uh, the Large Lake Avenue Congregational Church directly across from my law office in Pasadena, California, uh, for an event. And a former professor of mine came up to me and he said, Chuck, what are you doing these days? I said, well, we have just formed Save America Ministries, a nonprofit to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom. And here was his cryptic response. Well, at least you didn't bite off more than you can chew. Think about that as we <laughs> think about that as we go into this break. Again, we're talking with Don, uh, Donica Hudson, friends. This is Viewpoint. Viewpoint determines destiny. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint, friends. We're talking about uh, praying, praying America great again. Uh, This is not a MAGA uh, event. This is a PAGA event (laughs) for praying America great again. And uh, in order to kind of set the stage uh, in this segment of the program, I want to read some excerpts from our guest book here uh, talking about broken trust. Today, 4% of Americans say they have a great deal of trust in America, only 4%. In 2016, Americans' confidence in mass media hit its lowest level in history. Between 1958 and 2015, public trust in Washington plunged from 73% to 18%. Socialism has so infiltrated America's education system that 60% of millennials strongly support government-funded tuition paid by you. 69% of millennials support Medicare for all, paid for by you. 50% of millennials say they prefer to live in a socialist country. And if you think millennials are deceived, just look at the stats for Generation Z, their their children. The Barta Group just released a new study of Generation Z, that is current teenagers, and they found that they are the least Christian generation in U.S. history. Nearly twice as many claim to be atheists as millennials. And 35% of current teens say they are either atheist, agnostic, or unaffiliated. Just 59% say they're Catholic or Christian. That's a six-point drop for the millennial generation. And their parents allow pop culture to replace traditional Christian values as the number one influence in their kids' lives. Well, Generation Z parents are not the only ones allowing pop culture to replace Christian traditional Christian values. The church is also falling into the trap of allowing social justice to replace biblical righteousness. With social justice, moral relativism prevails and culture makes its own rules, meaning that there are no biblical absolutes. So in looking at today's America, 
we can see how far we have fallen from the faith of our founding fathers who risked their lives to secure freedom. We, the people, are losing America. And our only hope is prayer. Pretty good summary, I think, there, Donica, to set the tone. And uh, it kind of reiterates what we've been talking about here. But um, when we talk about prayer and we're talking about identifying who it is that needs to pray and for what we need to pray, that probably is where we ought to focus in particular. Because your book is absolutely loaded with all kinds of different things here. And we've talked about rededicating our nation to God. uh, And I think that was a worthy thing to do. However... In rededicating our nation to God, we also have put the Bible in a museum in our nation's capital. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you see the significance of this? I in do. other words, the Bible is no longer really operative in the mind and heart of we, the Christian people. George Gallup in 1995 went down to Dallas, Texas, and spoke with the uh, religious publishing group. And he said, look, i got to tell you, Americans are not reading their Bibles. Neither are they obeying them. (laughs) Yet we still claim to revere the Bible. That's our problem. How is prayer going to remedy this? Well, first of all, we can't view the Bible as a history book only. Right. Is it? Yes. But it is a living document. It is the living word. It is live and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting down to the joints and marrow. That's why people don't want to read it, because it pierces and it does surgery. Yes, and it divides between right and wrong, just like what you stated about the late Bill Bright uh, renewing the soul of America in his statement. The Word of God is key to this. We can't pray if we don't know the Word of God, because to pray is to literally, the perfect prayer is agreeing with God's Word. So we've got to dust that Bible off, get back into it, and realize that it is it is relevant to today. Most people think it's archaic because they haven't seen young folks living it out. But mm. I will say that, you know, I've got a 22-year-old son who's a youth pastor. He's seen miracles happen. He's worked with YWAM. He's gone on the Pacific Rim and seen... Uh, boils disappear from all over a guy's body. He's seen a leg grow out at the church when he and his young friends were praying for someone. My daughter is also at University of the Nations, and she is a worship leader and so close to the Lord. When, when these young folks start leading the way, and when we, who are the parents in this generation, will focus on what's literally called out in the 1607 land dedication covenant. It's not just about land. It's about the generations. Mm. So, yes, we had a really great service in Virginia Beach, and we remarried America to God. We yeah, it was it was a beautiful thing. Life. Every it speaker was. spoke poignantly. Uh, I tell you, I, my wife and I were there. Uh, yeah. My wife came away very encouraged, uh, strengthened by what people had to say, uh, there oh, was a unity of mind and heart, yeah. but there were only 250 of us there. Right, right. Plus the staff, we got a Gideon's 300. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> we do. 
we do. And now, look, you're, you're, you're taking it to the world through this broadcast. But, you know, I, I would say that God did not issue us a certificate of divorce like he did Israel in Jeremiah 3.8. I believe that now that we have, so to speak, remarried him through this civil covenant, that now it's time to fulfill it and reach the generations that the covenant speaks of, that they would remember the crosses that are in this land, that they would join in this covenant to share the gospel. And when we focus on the generations, we are literally fulfilling the gospel of the Bible. All right, well, let's get this straight, because you mentioned uh, uh, divorce. Uh, God said, look, I'm putting you aside, Israel. I'm divorcing you. But the interesting thing is God didn't remarry. See, that's that's the truth of the matter. God didn't remarry. So he said, look, you return unto me, and I'll return unto you. Yeah, that's his message. Nowhere. You return <laughs> unto me, and I'll return unto you. So here yeah. we are in America. In a sense, you could say, God has mm-hmm. virtually divorced us. Look yeah. at what we're doing with impunity, even in our churches. It's yeah. an abomination. But it God is. hasn't remarried. See, So, with our covenant, we're saying, Mm -hmm. look, Lord, we want to do what you said. We want to return to you. And you have said that if we will return unto you, then Mm -hmm. you will return unto us. Isn't that really what that covenant's all about? It is, it is. And you make such a good point, Chuck, because America needs to know that the God who established us, because of the prayers of our founders, has not gone anywhere. We left him, and he is right here waiting for us to return. In fact, he created us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He so desires for us to come back into relationship with him and serve him, Mm -hmm. because he's a God of love, and he wants us to be his bride. He wants America to still be that city on a shining hill, and he wants us to be evangelists to the world. Well, no question about it. Uh, you mentioned that shining uh, example on the hill. That came from John Winthrop, uh, a godly attorney who brought over four boatloads of Puritans in 1630 up north. So that was uh, 13 years after the landing at uh, Jamestown and uh, Cape Henry and Richmond. And uh, before he landed, he penned what was called a model of Christian charity. It's a number of pages long, and uh, some historians have said it is the most important document ever penned in this country to set forth the actual purpose for which this country was established. And uh, so important is that document that it's in the appendix of our book, Renewing the Soul of America, And uh, I don't want to take the time to read what he said, but prophetically, he spoke as a prophet, and he said, look, if we don't follow what God has called us to do here for his covenant purposes, we will become as a curse and a byword among the nations, and we'll bring disrepute upon the very name of the God who has made and preserved us a nation. Mm-hmm. Are we not there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, uh, it seems that I, we're there. 
Yes. Haven't we brought haven't we brought disrepute upon the name of God throughout the the world? I mean, when Vladimir Putin has to accuse us of being the most debaucherous country in the in the Western world and leading the entire world into perdition. Regardless of what you think of Mr. Putin, that (laughs) I mean, is that the call the kettle calling the pot black or is he speaking prophetically? I don't know. Well, it's appalling because he's a communist, and here we are, supposed to be the symbol of virtue, and we are sinking lower. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I love what you say about John Winthrop, and I think his model of Christianity, uh, Christian charity, must have been based somewhat on Leviticus 26, 39 through 42, which we put in the uh, declaration, I put in the Declaration of Covenant. Um, that we read in Virginia Beach, because the Bible clearly warns exactly what John Renthrop said. He said that God said, we will waste away in the lands of our enemies because of our sins and our ancestors' sins. But if we will confess our sins and the sins of our ancestors, their unfaithfulness and hostility towards him, towards the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which made God hostile towards them, then God says, I will remember my covenant. With Jacob, mm. and my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I'll remember the land. So that's why I think it's so important to pray daily, repent, ask God to lead us and guide us to live according to his word, and we've got to mm. dust that old Bible off and read it to know how to do that. <laughs> you got that right, sister. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm uh, just moved at this moment to, uh, to make a further offer, friends, to you. Uh, we've just presented Donica's book, Pray America Great, $18 on our website. Uh, but we've mentioned the book, Renewing the Soul of America, my book, Renewing the Soul of America. They're both $18 books. Here's my offer to you. For just $30, we're going to put both of those books in your hands. They're complimentary, and you will not be disappointed. $30, postage and handling, I hope you'll accept it. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, to accept that offer. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And uh, we're talking about the transformation of our country. But there was another fellow that called about the fundamental transformation of our country, too. His name was Barack Hussein Obama. And five days before his taking office, 
he declared publicly in Chicago, we're five days away from the fundamental transformation of America. What did he mean? Have we been experiencing that ever since 2008? Indeed, we have. And what does it look like? Well, if you've been paying any attention, it looks like everything that we've been seeing and are still seeing. The things that you're lamenting about. All of those things came out of Saul Alinsky's handbook, Saul's Rules for Radicals. Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. And we're seeing it all. We're seeing it all happen right in front of our eyes. And even professing Christians have embraced it. Donica, how in the world can such a thing happen in the land of the free, increasingly becoming only the home of the brave? When the church falls asleep. You know, in my book, I highlight how Obama and Hillary are prodigals of Saul Alinsky, and he dedicated his book, Rules for Radicals, to Lucifer. Isn't that amazing? It is. So the fundamental change that Obama is talking about is moving us into a new world order. And this is not just a Democrat thing. Um, George Bush Sr. also said the same thing. We've all seen the videos, probably, of his announcing that. Most Americans did did not know what that meant. Well, let's break it down in spiritual terms, because it is in the Bible. The new world order is the same thing as the one world government, which sets the stage for the rise of the Antichrist. Well, it's the resurrection of the ancient Tower of Babel in its full expression. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Full expression. (laughs) You know, it's interesting you bring this up, because I just sent a video out of Obama talking about the New World Order, and it's been scrubbed from the Internet, but I've been able to pass it a, a little clip around to people, and folks are going, are you kidding me? I can't believe you said this. You know, it, it was a condescending statement about humanity not being able to think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, it is interesting that Henry Kissinger... Uh, declared he was a former secretary of state for our country he declared that he thought barack obama was the one to lead us into the new world order uh very interesting which which is uh it, der spiegel magazine their official uh german news magazine had on its front cover uh, a picture of barack obama and the words the messiah factor over it uh oh obama <laughs> was referred to as the messiah at least 20 to 30 times I have that all set forth in my book, King of the Mountain. And uh, so whether or not he was that figure, he was certainly uh, seen by leaders of the world to to have the spirit of that figure. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to be aware of. Yeah, and that's very sobering because we all know that the Bible warns about this in the last days, and we're we're experiencing it. I mean, if you look at the... World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, uh, the WEF, that means mm-hmm. the Davos, the elite crowd, you've got all the makings of the Antichrist hierarchy there with their uh, false prophet Yuval Noah Harari. And, you know, it's the same thing. They're perpetrating, uh, stepping into the place of God and having a one-world government. And Americans are just sleepily playing along, you know, taking shots without questioning because we've always trusted government. And now I believe there's a large awakening happening because of that. We've had mass amounts of people perish because these are, these shots have not been safe. 
And so yeah. we're recognizing that the enemy has sought to use health care as a way to uh, monopolize power for the new world order and a one world government. Exactly. And I think, you know, this broadcast is really helping people see it's not a health issue. It's a spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual issue. It's a trust issue. And yeah. uh, it proved that professing Christians are as vulnerable as everyone else to receiving the mark of the beast. Yeah. And we have slowly been made to believe that it's okay for government to be God. That's why so many young folks, I think it was 60%, that are okay with socialism, because they're, they've been groomed to live off of the government. I mean, why do people in America not want to work right now? It's because the government handouts, you know, they can still make it. Why do all the, the people want to flood our borders and immigrate? Well, we'll pay for them. You know, it'll be us and our children that are paying the bills. And, you know, we have got to wake up here that we are losing our country. We're going to lose everything that we know, uh, our values that we hold so dear. We have got to wake up. And it's not difficult. You know, you and I talked, you mentioned earlier, Chuck, that uh, a pastor said to you that he didn't know how to preach righteousness. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not difficult if you just apply the biblical principles to modern day events. Yeah. But I think But see that's what people aren't willing to do because they know yeah. that the moment they do that is when the fur starts to fly and they're not willing to risk losing people in their congregations and the funds that they represent. Well, you're right about that and and that's a sad day because I would rather have an audience of one and hear well done my good and faithful servant even though it cost me my whole congregation than to be a people pleaser Mm-mm-mm. and see my freedom go and not have the right to stand in that pulpit in a couple of years. Well, I'm giving you a holy hug for that statement right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Donica, these are very troubling times. As uh, Thomas Paine said at the time of the American Revolution, these are the times that try men's souls, and uh, especially uh, the, the souls of professing Christians who truly are still Bible-believing followers of the Lord. But we need to encourage all to be and become what we say that we are. Uh, Britain just went through, the UK just went through a coronation in which they celebrated formally, ritualistically, what they wanted the nation and the people of the world to believe that they are, but they're not. And so it was mere ritual because even the Archbishop of Canterbury and those that were leading the all of the solemnity of it and the holy water and all that have already openly and notoriously and defiantly changed the word of God to adopt the ways of the culture. And so we have the same problem here in America where the Bible has been relegated to a museum and... Uh, Even Congress declared a national uh, year of the Bible in 1989 because they saw that the nation had virtually abandoned the Bible. It's, It's just amazing what we have been seeing. And let me tie this a little bit closer to the prayer event. In 1996, because Bill Bright, Dr. Bill Bright, got the Templeton Award, a million dollars for... His 
uh, Christian leadership and so on, he decided to use it to advance the cause of prayer in our country. And so in 1996, held an event called Fasting and Prayer 96 in St. Louis. It was the first time that I'm aware of that the prayer focus was on the church as opposed to the country as a whole. And so uh, Nancy Leda Moss gave an address called Begin at My Sanctuary that you can still find on the web today. I think it's the most powerful address that has been given overall to the church in our generation. But during that event, I took aside one of the preeminent prayer leaders of America, a person that every whose name almost every listener would know. And I said, how is it that we have all of these national days of prayer and we have, you know, heal our land and seek his face and all of this? How is it that not once have we gone to the most important aspect of Second Chronicles 7.14, and that is turn from our wicked ways? Would you like to know what the answer was? What? Are you sure? It's, yes. It's three words. It's too negative. Those are the words. Oh. In other words, it doesn't market well. Uh, oh, my goodness. That's why we have no revival. Because our prayer has not been sincere. We wanted the pagans to live like Christians while the Christians were increasingly living like pagans. We've missed yeah. the whole point of the prayer. Yeah. If my people, those who profess my name, if we would humble ourselves and pray, but not just pray. Prayer is no substitute for obedience, as A.W. Tozer said. we got to be doers of the word. Amen. Isn't that really where the crux lies? Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, that's, my husband and I were faced with that situation. I, I am a prayer leader. I've led prayer from the, you know, the legislature to the home. Mm-hmm. And the Lord uh, put me in a situation, I talk about it at the beginning of the book, where my daughter encountered a man in the women's restroom when North Carolina was facing the, the uh, infamous bathroom bill. <laughs> and uh, my husband and I decided to sue the federal government. We joined with Alliance Defending Freedom to sue the government for not protecting our children in bathrooms, locker rooms, and showers. So we prayed and we did something and and we won because that was dangerous. And, you know, now we see women's sports being infiltrated by men who identify it was the same concept to enter a woman's restroom. All that a biological male had to do is say, I identify as a woman today. And so the voyeurs and the pedophiles and whatnot would have free access to our children. What was not going to happen on my watch, but the battle hasn't ended. The enemy, uh, this Antichrist spirit that is seeking to make men and women look like Baphomet with both organs, is fast at work brainwashing our republic to believe that this is okay. And we have so divorced ourselves from reading the Word of God that we don't even know in Genesis that God says He created us in His image, male and female, and He blessed us, and that it's good. And He gives us such wonderful identity through the Word of God that if people just knew this love that He has for us, 
they would be devouring the word every day. Every day. Okay, I want to read, uh, in, in face of time here, I want to read some excerpts from your book. Okay. Pray America Great. Blood-bought believers in Christ must understand that this is a spiritual battle for the soul of America. Satan has already won this battle if the church continues to believe that the current battle for our nation is political. I couldn't agree more. Right. It doesn't mean we shouldn't seek good and godly leaders, but they're not saviors. That's we right. need a savior. So here's the rest of what she says here. The truth is only the church could win this battle. For we do not fret wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. It is the cosmic battle, the unseen battle between forces of good and evil that only believers in Jesus Christ who bear the spiritual covenant mark afforded by Jesus' blood can win. We, I'm going to add to this now, we must take up our cross. Jesus said, if uh, you're not willing uh, to take up my cross, you cannot be my disciple. In fact, he says, you've got to take it up daily. Well, that means, friends, that it's not going to always be a pretty picture. It's not always going to be a lovey-dovey thing where we're trying to ingratiate ourselves to the spirit of this age. This is the end time battle. And it's occurring right here on our shores. And Donica Hudson is carrying the banner through her book, Pray America Great, and through the effort to uh, rededicate through a covenant, uh, a, a rededicated covenant, remarrying our country to God, but the rest of us are the ones that have to carry it out. Get a copy of her book, Pray America Great. Your gift of $18 to Save America Ministries will do it. Uh, the special offer, my book, Renewing the Soul of America and Pray America Great, $30, $5 postage and handling for the two combined. God bless, be a blessing, and let's be the prayer rooters that God has called us to be. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 